Uh, welcome everybody to episode three of the Race Spec Esports Podcast. Uh, we just wanted to start this episode with an acknowledgement of the death of Antoine Hubert. Uh, everyone at Race Spec was very saddened and, and quite moved by his death. Um, a lot of people uh, have commented on the safety of, of F1 and F2, so we don't want to go over that again. We just wanted to pay our respects and give a lot of well wishes to Carrera, who's still in hospital and hoping he can make a speedy recovery. So with that being said, we're going to start the podcast off with We've been away for a couple of weeks, so we do have to cover Spa and Monza. So I just want to welcome in Plevs to the podcast. How are you going, mate? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Matt. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, two pretty exciting races. And uh, yeah, again, I don't think we can complain about what's going on in Formula One at the moment. Uh, yeah, some pretty good uh, pretty good couple of races. Um, yeah, good to, good to see Ferrari get, get a bit of bit of luck and some good results as well so yeah yeah that's in making it a bit more competitive at the front i don't know how long that'll last but we'll move on to spa uh pretty interesting race uh, very somber mood of course but uh, we'll start off with this the turn one the, the start of the race verstappen goes on the inside of raikkonen and nearly flips him uh verstappen's fault obviously but what do you think about that was about that a bit of verstappen of old uh, yeah, it kind of was. I think he's. I think he did something similar um, at Spa in 2017, a couple of years ago. It's still kind of his Achilles heel. Like, um, he has definitely gotten better. Um, but yeah, last or both these races, Spa and Monza, he's kind of had shockers into first corner off the start. So, in true Raikkonen fashion, he was he was fairly animated and angry, which was uh, pretty funny for the viewing public as well. And then we saw back Ricardo get hit. I think that was just a bit unlucky. Um, everyone trying to not hit everyone normally ends up in everyone hitting everyone. Uh, yeah, I think he was coming come together with Stroll. I just I think they had probably like just different lines through turn one, and they came together on the exit. Yeah, unlucky for for Daniel, but um, yeah. And the story of the race was Leclerc, Hamilton, and the the strategy battle that uh, Mercedes put out onto the race. Uh, do you want to give a quick recap of, of how that played out? Uh, yeah, sure. So I think um, it was uh, Leclerc leading leading the race when uh, they were all on soft tyres with Hamilton and Bottas behind. Uh, sorry, Vettel and then Hamilton, Bottas behind, and yeah, uh, Leclerc kind of built a bit of a gap on Vettel um, who was seemed to be struggling a bit more with his tyres. So he had to pit earlier onto the medium compound and then uh, obviously, yeah, was struggling later on in the race, but um, that allowed Mercedes to pit a bit later and, and get the better of him. And, and then it was basically a straight fight with uh, Leclerc and Hamilton at the end. Uh, yeah. And Leclerc managed to hang on. Yeah, only just. I think if we had another couple of laps, uh, Hamilton would have got Leclerc. So it was a very good job of Vettel, I guess, to be the second driver now at Ferrari and block Hamilton, just giving him that extra couple of laps breathing space. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, Vettel knew he probably had to play play his part to 
for them to get the win. Yeah, we'll come back to Vettel when we go to Monza. Uh, also, main talking points from that race was Albon had his first race for Red Bull, and I think he did pretty well. He struggled probably for the first third of the race to get past a few people, but as he sort of felt the car come underneath him, uh, he started to really cut through that pack and show what the Red Bull has to offer with him behind the wheel. Yeah, he was, I thought he was very impressive um, starting pretty deep in the field. I can't remember where he started exactly, but yeah, he, he um, it did take him a while, uh, like I said, but yeah, that, that Red Bull under braking is just, it's just way better than any other car under braking. So yeah, once it, it looked like he grew into the race and got more comfortable and, and then started making moves, the, um, the move around <laughs> the outside on the last lap of uh, Perez down the Camel Straight where he had to go, basically was on the grass to get the move done was um pretty impressive i mean um kind of hold your breath stuff um going nearly 300 k's on the grass down down there so yeah it was pretty ballsy and uh pretty impressive so that got him p5 in the end with uh norris's retirement yeah and he had, he had a good first showing yeah and just before we move on to, to norris and that also he overtook ricardo he sort of did a ricardo on ricardo and going around oh, the outside yeah. and for me, that's the difference between Albon and Gasly is that Gasly never had the courage uh, to do that sort of thing or probably not the courage, that's probably the wrong word, maybe the confidence with the car to do those type of moves. Mm. Um, and Albon first drop into the into the car has done that straight away. So very positive. Now, Ricardo was interesting. He got hit, as we talked about before, with Stroll on that first lap. So he came in straight away, put the mediums on. And from there, I have no idea what Renault were doing yeah, being Ricardo fans, I was getting pretty frustrated because I could see that they were going to go off, and um, I'm thinking you're going to make more time if you just come in and put new tires on now than if you just keep sort of going through the race and slowly getting passed by everyone, which has ended up what happened, and they, yeah, it was a pointless race in the end. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, yeah, he did have to pit after that um, hit he took from from Stroll um, in turn one. Yeah, so I'm not sure why they. Oh, well, when my first thought was when they put him on the mediums that oh, they must be going to pit him again later on. Um, otherwise, they maybe should have put, put him on the hard tyres if if they wanted to try and stretch it to the end. But um, yeah, they would have had data from most of the other cars on on the life of the medium tyres as well. So yeah, it was a bit perplexing that they um, let him go on so long. He was. To be fair, he was make, did make his way back into uh, into the top ten. He was running in the top ten for a lot of the race, um, but then like those those medium tires just fell off a cliff, and you saw how easy it was for Albon to just drive basically just drive around him in yeah. um, in no name. Like he just hadn't had no grip. It was like it was like watching an F one car pass an F two car basically. Yeah, just because yeah. the tires were gone and yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I think. I think they got that wrong and probably should have pitted him again. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, I think his race was ruined in turn one, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, But I still think he could have got some points um, with the speed that, that Renault showed in Spa and both Monza down in a straight line. Uh, if they had have managed those tyres a bit better, maybe put the pit stop in, he could have made up that pit stop time um, throughout the race. Uh, Norris was quite a sad one he made up a lot of positions at the start of that race weaving his way through the carnage and then 
found himself all alone in fifth and it, it looked like he was just going to cruise to that fifth place and then we see a shot of him on the side of the road at the checkered flag uh, and that Renault engine has just capitulated on itself. It's weird how they do it on the last lap. We've already seen that this year in their works, Renault. But oh, I felt so sorry for Norris. Yeah, yeah, that would have been, would have been his best uh, finish so far. But um, yeah, it was it was good performance for him. That's all you can say. It was just really really unlucky that uh, that engine gave up a lap lap too early. Basically, I guess that kind of it narrows the the gap back to back to Renault. And I think that's kind of going to be one of the um, stories to follow for the rest of the season. The seven seven races left. Uh, who's gonna who's gonna come come fourth of, of Renault had a had a good weekend at Monza, so. I think that gap's, gap's um, closed quite a bit now. So, yeah, keep an eye on. But, uh, yeah, very unlucky. And the final talking point from that race, um, which for me was Giovinazzi crashing on the last lap. Uh, he lost it in a really sort of odd position. It looks like he hit the curb and then went to accelerate and just totally lost the rear and, and slid into the wall there. Uh, he was going for a good finish as well, so very disappointing again for, for Giovinazzi. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think riding on board with him, um, watching the replay, I think he did take too much curb. I think he was, I think he got maybe old tyres or, or whatever. But yeah, I think he took too much curb at um, Puhon. And yeah, it seems like that the Sauber car isn't the most stable mid corner because we've seen we've seen kind of Kimi lose it um, at Monza as well in qualifying in mm. kind of like a similar similar fashion with the back end kind of just just loot, like you know going going into a spin um so yeah i think that might be a little flaw in in their car um as well but i think probably just too much curb on old tires but yeah it was glad glad it was okay it was pretty big uh, pretty big crash really yeah it was so we sort of went edge of our seat with that leclerc hamilton battle in spa and then we move over to monza a week later and uh a lot of excitement around this race and we get to qualifying and we're in Q3 and everyone's just playing games and in the end we don't even get a last lap on on Q3 uh yeah it was um <laughs> it was it was pretty fast school to be to be fair but uh at the same time it was actually quite entertaining because they're all <laughs> they're all just kind of tripping over each other not wanting to give up any slipstream so I think I mean it started right from Hulkenberg, who was who was the first out of the pits, and then um, if you if you heard his team radio, they're on the radio saying "Don't forget the plan, don't forget the plan" kind of thing. And obviously yeah. the plan was oh, accidentally miss turn one and go through the have to weave through the um, runoff area. Yeah. Um, and then Stroll was Stroll was right behind him, and um, he saw, as soon as he saw Hulkenberg do that, he kind of he basically just stopped. Yeah. And then there's uh, eight other cars behind him, and they they couldn't move. Uh, so yeah, and then I think that's where the most of the time was lost. I think I think they all came out with enough time to do lap, but then they lost twenty thirty seconds in that first first chicane, and then from there it was kind of just no one wanted to go first. And yeah, you got to you got to feel for the people at, at, who actually went to the qualifying at Monza to see that that would have been. That would have been pretty bad for them i mean i would have been pretty annoyed i mean on the tv but, uh, it was entertaining like you said but in the stands you would have been wondering what the hell was going on yeah exactly. 
exactly. everyone's outraged and wants to change the rules and everything, but I think that's a bit over the top. It happens once a year, maybe twice. It might happen again next year. You could probably put some safeguards in place, but after that, we probably won't see it again, especially if um, the 2021 rules sort of take away all that these following downforce issues with the punching through the air. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. It was, it was, you know, pretty funny. But other than that, yeah, I don't think we need to get outraged or any or anything like that. Yeah, well, the, the FIA did say that they were going to implement a minimum speed to prevent it from happening, and and well, it's and it still did. So I think they, I think they tried to make sure it didn't happen, but uh, um, <laughs> it still did. But but and and I don't think they could have given anyone a penalty because I think all the drivers were guilty of it. Well, the um, thing was is that they all went under that minimum lap speed anyway, which is pretty funny. Exactly, yeah. So, and and what was the penalty? There was they, it was sort of like a gentleman's agreement that they'd all do it. They still all did it, and everyone's saying, "Well, penalise them." Well, what was the penalty going to be? It was not in the rule book. It was just this verbal declaration. So, I think if they're going to do it, you got to do it properly next time. But uh, as I said, I don't think we need to overreact and. Science was the clever one. He got a lap in, and Leclerc was the the beneficiary, I guess, because uh, Bottas was probably faster. Um, his lap in Q, like at the start of Q three, I think he got hindered, and he would have caught, got an extra couple of tenths and possibly been on pole, which would have been interesting. Uh, yeah, I feel like Bottas and Vettel actually both were pretty fortunate uh, with their first runs. Like a, it was. It was uh, they were both controversial because, of course, with Raikkonen and crashing, crashing, bringing out the red flag. I'm not really sure what what happened. Like I think Bottas was marginal crossing the line before or after the red flag, red flag came out. They actually said on the broadcast that he just missed it, and that his time his time didn't go up initially. But then before they came out for the second run, his time did appear. So I think that was pretty lucky for him. And also Vettel Vettel's first run. Yeah, it looked like he, he had all four wheels off the off the track yeah. in Parabolica. Yeah, I'm 100% sure Vettel was off the track and I have no idea why he wasn't penalised. In terms of Bottas, uh, apparently the rule wording is that it doesn't count until the teams are notified of the red flag. It's not when the red flag is waved. There's some bizarre loophole that got him that time that Mercedes weren't notified before he crossed the line, which... Uh, for me, if Still a red flag's awesome. waving, it's, it should go from as soon as the red flag is is started to be waved. But anyway, that was apparently the explanation. We'll move on to so Leclerc's win. Uh, understandably, he was pretty happy about it, and so were the Tiafosi. And it was a pretty historic Monza win in the end. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. First of all, it was an amazing performance to withstand. The pressure from Mercedes because he was basically all all on his own after Vettel had his own issues. So yeah, he saw he basically saw off Hamilton who se- seemed to give it everything and then it ma- kept making mistakes when he was trying to catch him. So um, and then that gave Bottas the chance later in the race with with uh, slightly fresher tyres. I think maybe seven lap younger medium tyres than Hamilton uh, and yeah he couldn't he couldn't get close to him either so yeah have to have to take my hat off to Leclerc there it was just it was perf- perfect race for him really 
Yeah, he definitely held his nerve. And for someone, you know, it's only second year to have Hamilton breathing down your neck for so many laps in a row. Uh, really outstanding. He did make a mistake, which, uh, you know, it is controversial in itself because he locked up, cut across. He didn't cut Hamilton off or anything, but he held his position, which is kind of similar to Vettel because he did the same thing in Canada, but he did cut Hamilton off. And I guess that's that little bit of difference there. Whereas... Hamilton was maybe half a second away from Vettel in Canada. He would have just kept it. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't. Think, I think all that was was pretty fair. But um, yeah, all the Mercedes were barely gaining on him with uh, DRS and slipstream on the straights. So yeah, it was. I think I think it was a lot to do with Ferrari being basically uh, a Monza car, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it's a huge win for them. Their their first win there since Alonso in twenty ten, and yeah, you can see how much it meant to their team and fans and, and Charles. It was good oh, it was good to be able to see Charles actually being able to celebrate um a win after his uh, muted celebrations at, at Spa. So Yeah. Yeah. It was it was I was pretty happy for him. But I did, I did note as well, um when Mercedes well both Mercedes car, Hamilton and Bodas were trying to get close to him. Um Hamilton, they were both on the phone asking for more power. They're going, oh, I need more power, blah blah blah. And it seemed like Mercedes were reluctant to give it to him. So maybe there's some concern, concerns about their new engine. There's a couple been, a couple blown up. I think Perez has lost, lost two. Yeah, um, and Kubica last week as yeah. well. So, so yeah, I think I, I, it was the first time I'd really not seen them because usually they're like, oh yeah, overtakes available or whatever. But uh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't times. Yeah, that was interesting, I and mean, interesting to see that going forward. Whether they uh, fix that in between uh, the next race, uh, Vettel though was the one who caused the clerk to have so much pressure on him because it was a two versus one in the end, and he's just spun by himself again, and he's not having a great time. Yeah, it's not it's not a good couple of races for him. Ran out of tires at Spa and got swallowed up by the two Mercedes basically, and then. Um, at Monzo's kind of, we lost positions at the start, didn't he, to Hulkenberg, um, and then got him back, and then was running fourth basically on his own. Um, yeah, and that's that's really a mistake, or mistake of a driver who's under pressure. I think from, well, um, I guess maybe well, Ferrari racing it, racing in Monzo, they expect a lot, and then um, Charles performing so well as well. Yes. So yeah, that's a it's just a sign. He's under a lot a lot of pressure. He's still a class driver. But yeah, I think I think he might low on confidence at the moment. We'll see how he bounces back at Singapore, which is historically his strongest track. I think he's got more wins at Singapore than anyone else. But I think maybe they might have the second or even third best car there. So we'll see what he can do. But yeah, yeah, I expect the, the, the Red Bull to be to be a bit more prominent in Singapore with their epic downforce that they're able to get and Mercedes will be very strong so um, maybe Ferrari will have a change to their aero I'm not sure but that'll be interesting to see as well another car that had a resurgence is the Renault in the last two weeks and this is really interesting for me between the Renault and the McLaren uh, because the Renault seems to have a good engine if you base it on how much power they're able to get in Spa, in Monza, down the straight, and they were clearly the the fourth best or the third best team in Monza. So it must be 
a chassis and an aero issue and you could tell that from the mclaren has has been beating them this year so you know they they have potential there their engine looks good but they just need to get that aero right i guess yeah exactly right i mean yeah it was a it was a basically as good as that weekend was going to be result wise for them and and performance so yeah they were comfortably fourth and fifth i think albon nearly oh well he did catch hulkenberg in the end but they couldn't get close to him um so yeah that really shows it does illustrate their progress on the power unit side um i think i think all four power units are pretty pretty close now i think ferrari still maybe got the edge but the other three definitely are are pretty close together now um but what it does also highlight is their deficiencies in other in other areas like you said so I think the aero is okay, especially when, like compared to the other, uh, not the top teams, but the teams around them. So the other midfield cars, I think their aero is fine. But yeah, their their chassis is is um, probably their weak point for that car. And mm. I saw an interview with Alan Pross after Monza, and he basically confirmed the same thing. It's like, well, you know, Monza highlights like the strengths of of our car, but you know when 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 there's more corners and curbs, it's the chassis that lets us down kind of thing. So basically, chassis is crap. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I mean that's if they can get that right, it really shows how good their car can be. Like if they if they can challenge for fourth and fifth with a they have a better better chassis and maybe they are could be a lot closer to a Red Bull and the t- other top teams. Um, if that was the case, but I think their fight is with McLaren for the rest of the season. So, like I said earlier, that's that's one to be uh, one to keep an eye on. There'll be there'll be tracks that suit uh, McLaren, like Singapore coming up, and and then there'll be others that that suit Renault as well. So it might might, might seesaw a bit, but yeah, yeah. I've just got this sneaky suspicion that yeah, at the end of next year they're going to be challenging and everything's going to be great. Renault's on the up, and then we completely change the cars, and it's all back to the drawing board for everyone again. So all that work <laughs> is for nothing. Uh, so I wanted to bring up sort of whether you call it a new segment, but uh, you are one of the stewards for race spec. And when I was watching the race, I thought it was interesting that Leclerc was given a black and white flag when he pushed Hamilton off the road, and Hamilton was not impressed by it. In fact, after the race, he said that if it wasn't you know Bottas behind him and the championship still up in the balance he would have just held his ground and crashed them both which I thought was pretty aggressive language to use but if that happened in race spec and so so Hamilton submitted that to you with all the footage what would you be looking at um if it was in esport and if it was in race spec uh yeah look I I think I think you do have to leave room there if if um car is alongside and by room, you mean uh, it obviously means a car car with space um, for to the edge of the track. So, yeah, he's I think Leclerc's moved, um, maybe just squeezed him a little bit under braking. Um, but obviously, there's no no contact there. So, it would depend as well. It would depend on how it affected the other car. So, mm, yeah, if the other car. I think I think in in league racing, um, if you see someone come over to defend the racing line um, in the braking zone, you probably wouldn't put it down the outside like that. I think you'd maybe stay behind into the chicane because you, you'd probably 
stand to lose too much time um, if there's if there's uh, an incident or you have to go straight on on the chicane and risk a penalty because the game game can dish those out. It doesn't really take into account any other car, so it, it just sees that you've cut the corner and it'll give you a penalty. So yep. I think that's that's one to think about when when you're a driver in that situation. But uh, if that didn't happen in in the lead race and there wasn't room uh, left by that driver, then it affect the other driver's race. Then. I think they'd probably be looking at some kind of reprimand, so mm-hmm. a time penalty of some sort. But um, yeah, it would depend on if there's contact and how much time lost by the other car as well. So there's a number of factors that we'd look at. Yeah, and the other one, that. the other one was so Vettel has spun himself out. He's on the grass and he's rejoined the track and taken Stroll out, who was having a pretty good race uh, himself at the time. Mm. Um, he did get a, a drive-through stop-go penalty of 10 seconds, which you know, his race was over anyway, so that doesn't really do anything to him. He did, Outside of the race, he got a three-point three um, off his license. Mm-hmm. So if that happened in a race spec uh, race, I guess the game might give you a, a five-second stop-go penalty, but what would you be looking at outside of the race or after the race going forward with that one? So this is Vettel and Stroll, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, it, it would be t- it would be tough because it's we do play um, the game with go- ghosting on, so I'm not sure uh, which which is pretty unreliable. It's um, let's let's assume that um, in that situation, the car or Vettel's car wouldn't be ghosted. So yeah, I, I, it's a tough situation, but yeah, I think I think you have to have to wait um it'd be just just the same as it was for Vettel in real life um if you came back onto the track you risk obviously making contact or a collision with another another driver and then you could probably be in more trouble so you you would probably have to wait for that gap to reject track because the, the the rules the rules are the same so as in real F, uh, f1 so there's there's uh, rejoining the track in an unsafe manner. That rule still applies to, um, um, sorry, to league racing. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically the same as it was in real life, I guess. So, yeah, that's how I deal with that one. Yep, fair enough. No problems. I just wanted to put these forward to you because we do see stewards reports every week. Um, and I encourage mm-hmm. people to go into that Discord channel and have a read of them because there are good explanations as to why a penalty was given or not given or and what the results are. So I think it's important for everyone to be aware uh, of what can happen in penalty-wise yeah. and also for yourself. I mean, if you feel hard done by, yeah, you should uh, give your footage to the stewards and, and see what happens. Yeah, a lot of it's just common sense, though, to be, to be honest. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so we want to move on now to... I'll let you sort of explain what we're going to do, but we, we can't go through every league because there are too many, which is a great thing uh, and a great problem for us to have. But we're going to try and do wrap-ups and, and have a talk about uh, the leaderboards of a few different leagues, and then we'll mix it up going forward. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, like I said, there are probably too many, um, too many leagues to cover uh, in, in individually um, each week. And... We want we want to make sure we yeah give give each league league a bit of uh, um, a bit of spotlight if you like and 
give everyone an idea of kind of what's going on. So as uh, most people would know, we do have um, different series. So we have uh, a Pacific series, a European series, an America series, which is based on where drivers live um, geographically that are run on Tuesday nights. And then on the weekends, we have the global series and then the elite series. So there are five five different uh, series and the, the um, most of them are across all platforms. Some of them, some of them are, are, are not. Um, it's just based on how many drivers we have for each. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to um, spotlight or feature a um, particular series uh, in each episode going forward. So, um, today we have an interview with um, our Xbox driver um, Zach. So he is racing in the Pacific Series. So we'll we'll feature the Pacific Series today and and kind of go through um, those four four leagues in that series and then and then we'll move on to another series sounds good all right so Um, you'll start off with uh we'll do the xbox one last so maybe start off with the ps4 yep so uh in the pacific pacific series on ps4 we have uh two tiers so i'll start with tier tier two uh so these these are quite hard fought leagues uh both of them um always getting quite full lobbies which is really good to see so i think I think we're getting, you know, anywhere between 14 and 17, 18 drivers, um, most races in both both tiers. So it's, that's um, first and foremost really good. So in, in tier two, um, we have have had uh, quite a dominant driver in Curving Texas who has uh, won, won a few races. He does lead, lead the championship. Um, and then there's, it's, quite, it's quite a battle um, for the, the chasing pack with... Uh, Jumbo Sedan and Kickbutt kick, kick Kiwi, um, excuse me, sorry, leading leading the chasing pack there. But yeah, um, it is a good kind of, I guess if you if you're new to league racing, which I, I think a lot it's fair to say a lot of a lot of these guys are. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a good entry entry um, to the world of uh, league racing, and yeah, it's hopefully these guys can get better and maybe eventually step up to tier one. Which would be good to see. So they're they're going really well. Um, and you you yourself are in that league, Matt. Yeah, so I race in that league, and and we we actually are getting really good attendance now. So we have last few races we've had seventeen and eighteen uh, drivers, and even this week a few more have shown interest in wanting to sign up to that league. So I anticipate uh, if if you're away. You will be filled with a reserve driver, and if you're constantly away, we're going to have to make some tough decisions on maybe making you the reserve driver and putting these guys who want to race every single week into that car. Uh, it's a good problem for us to have, but that's sort of what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, if it's a really good league for if you're sort of new to league racing, you want to find out what it's all about, you can use assists, um, and everyone is a pretty good in there. Like everyone follows the rules and. Uh, we don't have any sort of ragey drivers in there and everyone seems to have a really good time every week. So it's a fantastic league at the moment and I'm really happy to be driving in it. Yep, well, that sums up really well. I, I mean, I could say could say exactly the same about uh, Tier 1. Um, similar story with the attendance. It's, uh, it's, it's been really, really good all, all season for the, for the, um, for the first six, six races. So... Um, we do have a couple of reserve drivers as well who get a run every now and then if some if someone's away. So, uh, yeah, it, 
similar similar story in the standings as well. We had to have a dominant driver in Amazing Hour who won the first five races and then actually crashed out in at Monaco in round six. Yeah, and then we have behind him we actually have a three way tie for second place. Wow. Um so that's between Sir LJB, James H who won the last race at Monaco and myself. And then fifth place um is actually only two points behind that so yeah it's 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 a really close close league um as far as um the chasing pack goes but the yeah, amazing hour does have uh quite a big buffer at the moment a 60 point point gap back to p2 but um yeah really really happy with how, how that's going we have a have a really good um commentary team commentary team uh father father son duo who commentate the races for us so we really appreciate that um yeah and we get we get fantastic um drives each week so yeah it's going really well canada canada is uh round seven for uh all the pacific, pacific european and american leagues this week so it'd be to see how that turns out um so i'll move on to the uh pc series pc pc pacific series um so this one's actually a bit down on numbers. We only have, we had six six drivers uh, sign up for it, but um, it seems like only we really have two or two or three guys who are um, really want to race. So that doesn't okay. seem like a lot, but um, they they actually do um, still still um, get the lobby up and 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 race together. I think they've been putting some AI. Um, in the races to make it a bit bit more interesting, so oh, they yeah. kind of um, I, I came in touch with them, but they they seem to be they seem to be all over it themselves, and um, i would kind of just doing it for fun. Um, yeah, okay. So obviously, it's not ideal to be racing with only with only a few drivers, but um, hopefully, that's I think that's maybe one we can work on for a second season. Hopefully, get some more drivers because really we want for all leagues we want at least kind of ten drivers to make it worthwhile for everyone. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and then our final um, Pacific Series League is the Xbox One um, Series. So in this one, we have 15 drivers at the moment, which is not too bad. Yeah, so I think most of these guys turn up uh, each week, but I think maybe we need to find some new drivers as well. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the standings, um, again, it's a, there's a similar story with a, a runaway driver with... Um, Zach JW22, um, winner of three of the first six races, got P2 in two other races, so he's he's uh, going pretty well, um, and he's got a 35 points lead over his teammate um, VJ in P2, and the henchman, a further eight points back back in P3. So that's what the championship looks like uh, in in that series. Yeah, these these guys. They, they say their races are really, really exciting. So um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a shame we can't broadcast um, all, all the leagues really. But yeah, it'd be good good to be able to see um, some action in some of these league, leagues, and we are working towards that in, in the future, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I guess that leads us into um, in the interview the interview with Zach, our championship leader for the Xbox Pacific series. Yep. So I sat down with, with Zach and we had a bit of a chat, um, just about 
how he's going and and his experience with uh, esports and racing. So I will cross to that now, and I hope you all enjoy it. And we'll be back after a short break and this interview. Okay, welcome everybody to our race spec interview with one of our drivers, Zach. How are you going, Zach? Yeah, I'm going good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. Uh, so we'll start off the interview. Just tell us a little bit about yourself or as much as you'd like to share with everyone. Yep, so I'm in my first year of uni in Australia at the moment. Um, I have a very big racing following at the moment, very passionate about F1. Daniel Ricciardo in particular, being an Australian, got to go for the local guy. Of course. Um, yep, basically anything to do with racing is what I'm into and awesome. gaming. That sounds good. How long have you sort of been racing? Um, I've only been sim, ra- sim racing for the last about two years when I finally got an Xbox. I've been mm-hmm. a bit of a Nintendo fan the last few years, so I haven't actually been able to play the race the racing games at all. So finally getting an Xbox last year allowed me to play the stuff and yeah, basically that's it. Yeah, so that's pretty good. So you're obviously a big F1 fan. Do you, do you play any other games or is it just strictly F1? Um, F1's the main one. I do play a bit of Horizon, Forza Horizon and Project Cars 2. They're the three real big ones that I'm playing at the moment. Yep. And are you in any series with those or are you just in the F1 series with Racebeck? Uh, no, I, I did do a Project Cars series uh, about a month ago. But the yep. problem is it was mainly European people, so I had to wake up at 3am just oh, yeah, to do rough. the endurance racing. So that was a bit frustrating, but um, no, it was good fun. Definitely good fun. Oh, that's good. That's probably the benefit about race spec is we sort of fit into everyone around the world. We've got something at the right time for Absolutely. wherever you are, which is yeah. good. And uh, do you have a setup at the moment or your controller or a wheel man? Uh, I bought a wheel on Boxing Day last year. Nice. My first one. And just a couple of months ago, I bought myself a seat in my for my bedroom. So now I've got my permanent racing setup, awesome. which makes things so much easier. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, what wheel do you have? Uh, I've got a Logitech G920, and I've also got the gear stick that goes with it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a really good beginner wheel, and it sort of gets everyone in the, Definitely, in, yeah. into the racing scene. And did you find it very difficult to go from controller to wheel? I sort of ask this of everyone I speak to. To be honest, it's probably took me, took me a few races on F1 2018, to get used to it, being used to the controller, the wheel was very different and the force feedback. It also took me a while to try and get a good uh, platform to sit the wheel on. I ended up using a dining room chair and a mini workbench as my makeshift racing setup. But honestly, as soon as I got used to the wheel, I was two seconds a lap quicker straight away. I'm curious on the Xbox when you on the PlayStation when you plug in a G29 or a Logitech wheel, the settings are really high up. Did you have to adjust them a lot on the Xbox? Um, I haven't actually touched the wheel settings uh, for any of the racing games. Uh, okay. Only for F1, I just turned up the understeer force feedback to max. Okay, and that was it. All the others I've just left. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Sounds pretty good. And. Uh, so when you have a sort of a race week or do you do any preparation on the track that's coming up or do you feel comfortable on all the tracks to be able to just jump in the seat um, and go? There's definitely some tracks where I feel more comfortable than others. I will say Singapore is by far my best track. Wow, okay. I don't know why. It yeah. just is. Um, but I do try and do a bit of time trial. Normally it's an 8pm 8, 8 start for the races here. Mm-hmm. So I try and do a bit at like 7 o'clock. Just go time trial, finalize the setup, 
yep. get my head in and go from there. Yeah, fair enough. And you're going pretty good in your league at the moment. You're on top of the standings. Um, how have you found the series so far? Uh, yeah, it's been really, really good. Uh, I've noticed definitely more recently there's been more competitive people and all the others that I'm racing with uh, mm-hmm. definitely moving up, getting closer to me, so they're keeping me on my toes. That's but it's good. really good to see the competitive level in this series. Yeah, and race spec is always getting new races every week, so the the more popular it sort of gets, I think um, we'll be able to get a few more tiers and, and get everyone sorted out into their levels with each other, which will be excellent. Um, Absolutely. So you mentioned before Singapore is your favourite track. Um, do you have any reason why, or do you have any other favourite tracks? Honestly, I've got no idea. Uh, I've been to Singapore itself in reality, and it's a beautiful city, one of my favourites in the world. Nice. And when I went there, I got to walk a bit of the main straight at turn one, turn two in the final couple of corners, have a look down the pits. It's a really good track. Uh, the atmosphere, when it's on TV, just looks epic. And for some reason, I just randomly pulled out a setup that is uh, god tier, yeah, almost nice. around there. Hit phenomenal. That sounds really good. What year did you go to the Singapore Grand Prix? I haven't actually been to the Grand Prix myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I just went to the city. Just, oh, nice. uh, it was last uh, July. Last okay. July is when I went. Yep. Is that, that's so they're just, they were just setting up then? for the race. Ah, yeah, okay, definitely yeah. go to the race. Definitely go to the race. Well, to the track at least. I want to go to the race itself. Yeah. But perfect. I haven't got that opportunity yet. Yeah, so do I. I'm hoping to go next year for that one, um, which will be, I'm pretty excited about. So that'll be really good. Um, and, Sort of, you've been into sim racing a couple of years now, and you've you've done a sort of a European league, and now you're in this Australian one. Is, do you have any advice for someone who wants to to begin or get into it? Make sure you have fun. Practice is definitely the way to go as well. Getting used to everything, getting used to how the car feels. Uh, I race go karts competitively, oh, nice. so I already have a decent understanding of the car. But a lot of it's just understanding the car, understanding how it works. To be competitive, but on really, if you just want to get into a league, make sure you just get into anyone that's social. Social's more fun than competitive, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's really just have fun. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's really good. We've got a few people who, who go-kart in a race spec family. Do you find that uh, your go-karting helps your sim racing, or your sim racing helps your go-karting? Um, yeah, it works both ways. I definitely find that with the go-kart, I'm able to understand the setup more because yep. I, I, I can't feel the car as much through the sim than it can in real life. Yeah, of course. So I'm able to understand the differences in what the tow camber, what not do, mm-hmm. so I can implement that into my uh, sim racing. But I also find the sim racing helps keep my skills homed up, keep it up to a good level. Instead of having to go out to the track every week or so. Yeah, how often do you race your go-kart? Uh, it's about once a month, generally. Oh, nice. About one race meet, race meet a month. Yep. And yeah, it's really good fun. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, that's really good. Thanks for having a chat with us today. And good luck with the rest of the series. Yep, perfect. Thank you very much. All right, no problems. Thanks, Zach. So I hope everyone enjoyed that interview with our feature driver this week. Uh, if you want to be the feature driver or you feel like uh, you would be a good interview, get in contact with me and we'll see what we can do. If there's an avalanche of people who want to do it though, of course, I'm going to have to make some decisions. 
We're moving on to our questions section now. Uh, we've got some good ones in the chat this week, Plev. So I would like to kick it off uh, with a question from John Poline. And now he has asked a very long question, so I'm going to simplify it a little bit. But he asks in uh, series races, do you think more drivers should try non-optimal strategies? A lot of people ask what the optimal strategy for a track is and then just follow that to a T. But if you're a bit of a slower driver or you're a bit further back at the grid, should these drivers be trying you know, reverse strategies starting on the hards or the mediums and going back to front? Now, John Poline has obviously asked this question because he's very good at doing it. As we saw in the last elite race, he managed to get himself on the podium from last uh, doing a reverse strategy. So what are your thoughts on this, especially sort of if you know you're going to be at the back of the grid uh, because you're not quite as quick as those top five or six drivers? Yeah, I definitely think it's viable. Uh, particularly, it's you you will have an advantage, obviously, on on fresher fresher tyres to the, the cars around. You. Maybe starting on um, the tyres they qualified on, so either soft or medium. And then always at the start of races as well, with the with the grid bunched up, um, everyone's not going, I guess, as fast as fast as they they could be because they're battling for position. So, like, no, it doesn't really matter what tyres are on. Uh, to start to start the race because you won't you won't lose time too much by being on a slower compound. So I guess the risk though um, that you have to weigh up is whether you um, if you're going to say start on start on a hard tire um, and a lot of the field would be on softs um, is avoiding a turn one incident and um, keeping your nose clean kind of thing. So. If you're if you're starting on a harder tire, but then get get uh, wing damage in the first corner or, or yeah. on the first lap and need an early pit stop, then that kind of throws that your whole strategy out the window. Um, and having started on a hard tire, you only unless you depending on your tire selection, but um, you would only get one set of the hard tires. So yeah, you you kind of be fighting uphill from there but um so that's that's what you have to weigh up I'd, I'd say if you can keep your nose clean it's definitely a good option um to do an alternate strategy especially um on tracks where it's difficult to pass where track position's more important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I, I, in saying that i think uh, with the lap one risk i think it's good to have an alternate strategy or sorry like a, contin a, con a contingency plan um something does happen early in a race so yeah i've seen, seen some really good results from people do that um in in uh, my experience so de definitely viable uh but i mean the game does have an optimal strategy at most tracks so um yeah you wouldn't do anything too crazy to um deviate from that yeah and and just but, to yeah, make so, it clear for everyone as well that you need to sort of commit to that beforehand if you if you roll up ninth fastest on softs you you have to stick to that at the start of the race let's i don't want people to think that they can go oh i'm ninth i'm going to start on mediums now you've you've committed to that already yeah yeah top 10 as long as they set a lap in qualifying mm -hmm. start on their qualifying tires so i guess this is for guys starting outside the top 10 so uh yeah that's a i guess a bit of a answer but i don't think that it is a simple answer either no maybe just give it a go and and 
see if you like doing it that way. And yeah, like mm. especially like you said on tracks where it is hard to pass, it might be better to pass people in the pits. Mm. It depends. It depends on the track. It is very very track dependent. So yeah, on on tracks where different strategies are more viable. So there's some tracks that where the, where it's a nailed on one stop, and then if you have to if you have to pit twice, then you'll lose too much time mm-hmm. regardless of the tyres you're on. Um, whereas some other tracks, so for example, Canada, um, which we'll be racing this week, round seven, is is a borderline two stop. I think it's two stops, maybe two or three seconds quicker than the one stop. So um, it's good. Those tracks are a bit better for, and it's easy to pass as well um, with the long straights. So those are the real racing circuits where um, you can make passes and also mix up the strategy a bit and yeah it's a bit more probably a bit more interesting okay i've got a i've got a question for you um a bit interesting uh left field so the actual question is from it's from uh crz footy and his question is who do you think will be the first ever female driver to enter f1 and i think maybe that might be a bit difficult so well how about we we'll change that slightly and say talk about whether a female driver will ever enter f1 if that's yeah a bit more easy yeah so it has a lot of uh factors this question um do if you want to give me an outright answer then i'll say that yes i think a female driver will eventually be in f1 at some stage how quickly that happens would depends on so many different things like pathways through karting um opportunities that are given to female drivers um sponsorship and and f1 is still very much a political beast uh as it ever was so it'll depend on a lot of those factors physically i don't see why uh, a female driver can't do what a male driver does it's not like um, sprinting where you know physically a male is always going to be faster than a female Um, generally i think they have the same reaction time Um, we've seen female astronauts they can handle g-forces and things like that if they're physically fit and do the right amount of training um, and they have the the right mindset and reaction speed then yeah i don't see why a female can't be an f1 driver and we've seen it in other forms of motor racing so yeah i don't see why it'll just depend on politics and things like that yeah i completely agree with that um the only thing I'd really add would be they have they have to be good enough. There's only there's only well at the moment there's only 20, 20 seats. So um, if a female driver is to get there, get in get a drive in F one, I think they'd have to do it on merit. And um, I'm not sure that there's uh, anyone close to that at the moment. But uh, if, if say there was a female driver that was deserving of a drive, and maybe it was a choice for for a team between. A female driver and a male driver i think they i think a team would be really interested or probably choose the female driver over the over the male driver if they were evenly matched and i think because there'd be a lot of a lot of positive um publicity and opportunities with having having a female driver so yeah i think one day it'll definitely definitely happen um but yeah i'm not sure that there's anyone close to that at the moment so yeah, exactly. And your point is right that if they, if you throw someone in uh, who's not quite up to standard or is a bit of a token throw in, that can often damage 
the you know, females getting into sport and we can go down that rabbit hole but we won't today i think we'll move on to the next question uh ghost f1 uh he wants to know your thoughts on q1 and q2 remaining and then q3 becoming a super pole style or a shootout i guess this question comes on the back of monza where everyone was uh being a bit silly uh, instead, you do Q1 and Q2, then the top 10 would each go out one at a time and set their best lap. What do you think? Is, is that something that could work in F1? I do, yeah. I think, I think, it'd, be, I think it'd be a really good spectacle, actually. Um, and it would also give more, more coverage for, for both the drivers and the teams um, that make it to Q3. Um, I don't think it would be that much different to how it is now. So, obviously, um, the top... 10 in Q2, make it through to Q3 and they have to start on their qualifying tyres so they get they get a fresh set of um, soft tyres for Q3 to do, their, do a, their final runs on. So the only difference would be they go one at a time rather than have 12 minutes to do as many laps as they want and they usually do two runs so they usually come out and do a, do a lap that's I guess maybe a banker um, or a bit of a marker. Sometimes you see the first run ending up being quicker, but um, that's pretty uncommon. And then they all come out at the same time, basically at the end of the session, and do a lap at the, do a lap at the end. So I think a super super pole or a top ten shootout um, style Q3 would be really good. Yeah, it would definitely eliminate issues like that we saw at Monza. Uh, I guess you'd have to have the top ten in. Q2 go in order so that might make Q2 a bit more competitive as well because um, whoever gets P1 in Q2 would go last and have the advantage of having um, the most track evolution um, at the end so it would benefit Q2 as well probably yeah, um, yeah. that's a good, good point uh, so yeah I, I'd like to see it it'd, it'd be really cool I think it's, I think it's worked in other, other forms of motorsports like um, the most obvious one for us here in Australia is the V8 supercars. They do do that for um, some of their events, um, Bathurst, and it's it's quite quite an event. Um, it's really cool to watch. And it, like I said, it gives more coverage for for the drivers and the teams rather than at the moment they're all kind of doing laps at the same time, and you only get to see a few cars. So yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I agree. Um, it'd be good. Maybe in the 2021, they might change to that, but uh, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work. Um, I think both have positives and negatives, and yeah, yeah it could work. You have a question. So this one comes from um, QX Nemesis. So he asks, uh, what do you make of Latifi potentially going to Williams next year? I'm, um, so as far as I know, that is a strong rumour, but it's unconfirmed at this stage, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's confirmed. It looks, you know, the more you look at it, the more it looks like it's likely to happen. Uh, he went out in P1 in Spa um, in Russell's car. Uh, he's done that before as well, so it looks like they're giving him as many opportunities as he can to get into that F1 car and go around. Uh, it sort of makes sense for Williams financially because uh, I believe Latifi has a very strong financial backing. So it would be more of a paid drive um, than a talent-driven or a, uh, you know, Ricardo's getting paid by Renault sort of thing. It'd be more like Latifi's paying Williams to drive. So it makes sense for Williams to do that. Now, I think 
I think it will happen when it'll get announced. I'm not sure, but I don't think they will stick with Kibitza. And I've said that in previous podcasts. It'll be someone else next to Russell. We originally, I originally thought Ocon, but that's clearly not going to happen now. Is it Renault? So I would be reasonably confident it'll end up being Latifi. And he shows he could could drive. He showed that in F2. Um, He's he's a pretty quick guy in F2. So I don't see Mm. why it wouldn't make sense for Williams to do that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think it's somewhat inevitable now. He's um, like I said, he's been in a couple of practice sessions, and like we saw in previous seasons, when when um, drivers like that are getting getting a run in the car in practice, then it's it's usually a good sign that they'll probably be in the car for the following season. We saw it, we saw it at McLaren last year with Lando getting getting um, some running practice and. Yeah, he got the drive. Um, so yeah, I think I think Latifi has the talent as he's shown in F2. He's one of the top F2 drivers this year, and uh, also has the financial backing. So it's a, it's really a double tick. So I think. Yeah, cool. All right, so we sort of both agree on that one. So the last question we're going to go with today is from Iron Axe Ten. Uh, how would you feel about F1 doing F2 style weekends? Uh, so. I think he means so instead of just doing the single race on the Sunday, you would do more of a uh, normal race on the Saturday, and then you would have your shootout on Sunday with a reverse grid of the top eight. Um, oh, it's interesting. I wouldn't know how it how it would go until they did it. Basically, it's it's, just, it's hard to say. So a feature race would just be a shorter Grand Prix. Uh, so I'm assuming these these would be run on different days. So at the moment, I guess qualifying is is one of one of the major spectacles of F1. Um, so if we go back to uh, Sedan's question about uh, Q3 becoming uh, like a top ten shootout, if you, if you ask me to choose between that and a feature race and the sprint race, um, I think I think I'd I'd go with the top ten shootout um, and keep qualifying as it is. Another another factor to take into account is that the the F two weekends work as, as it is because the cars are basically spec spec cars and um, there's not too much difference between them. Whereas obviously we all know that F one F one grids got varying performance levels and, and it's more more car dominated than driver dominated. That makes sense. So I don't think I don't think having a reverse style sprint race would changes the running order that much i think it in more overtaking mm. um so yeah I, I, and it kind of goes against what f1 is about or has historically been about yeah traditionally and historically so that would just that would be a huge change it'd be it'd be as big as any regulation change as, as well so yeah i i can't ever see it happening <laughs> is um what I guess I'm trying to say. So yeah, yeah I, I don't, do. I don't think it'll happen I, either. I think I'd be against. It. Yeah, I think I'd be against it as well. I mean, yeah, as much as everyone goes, oh, you know, F1 is this, F1 is that. I think F1 is still qualifying in a feature race um, on the Sunday, and it forever will be that way. It's with the longer race and the strategy that is involved with that. Cool. All right, those are a good bunch of questions this week, so keep them rolling for the next podcast, guys. Uh, if you would like to ask any questions, 
put them in the Discord podcast questions channel. Uh, if you want to race in race spec, uh, by all means, uh, get on board and find the forms to fill out and get yourself into a, uh, a series, whether that's on Xbox, PS4 or PC. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email us or ask us some questions as well. Uh, but that's the podcast for this week, and we'll see you next time, plebs. All right, see you next time.